Hello, I'm Aidan Gallagher. I'm Peter Reeves. Welcome to API, our integration podcast. The purpose of this podcast is to set the world to rights on various topics in the world of enterprise integration, and it scratches our collective itches as engineers who just want to uh, rant about enterprise IT over a cup of coffee. Or tea. Hello, Peter. Hello, Aidan. How are you? Yeah, I'm okay. How are you? I'm okay. Um, unusual setup today. I'm sat next to uh, 10 potted plant for the garden veg patch. Oh, oh yeah. For you living out the good life. The, the best life. Do you, you you know what the good life is, don't you? What is the good life? You mean the TV programme? Yeah, the TV programme. And anyone who um, abstracts their functions as services. <laughs> <laughs> if, if if that was around in the... Was it was, was good life from the 70s or the 80s? In the 80s? Oh, they probably the would 80s. have had that as well. Yeah. What a great segue. <laughs> yeah, I, I was about to say, a, t- a totally different aside. I wonder if they've had a sitcom about a person that does like computery stuff in his spare time. I think I think one about the good life, like I don't know, if if like a a guy or it could be a girl goes and like I don't know, goes to their shed at the bottom of the garden and like messes about with their servers. Would would that be a good sitcom? I don't know how relatable it would be. Yeah, well, how relatable was the idea of someone like building a farm in their back garden? Maybe that would be our next project. Yeah, maybe. Right. So we are talking about functions as a service today, aren't we, Peter? We are. What what is it? What what is one? It's you've got tired of running your service twenty four seven, so you've decided you're going to turn it into a function that only runs when it's activated. When you're not calling it, there's nothing running, and you're not paying for anything. But then when you call it, your workload gets run, returns its response, does what it does, and that's it. That's your function. But it's also. It doesn't have to be a full service, does it? No. When I say service, I mean something that you would run as a service. I get the I get the feeling that sometimes you ask me, what do you think this is? And and I can tell from your tone of voice, you're like, I, I, that's not how I would have described it at all. And I maybe even disagree with what you've said. No, no, I don't disagree. I was imagining a service like an API service. In my head, I was thinking oh. API service. But it's it's just because I'm... All you, all you think about is APIs. That's all, that's, all I, that's all I think about these days. Even after you spent ages talking to me about remote procedure calls, all you can think about is APIs. <laughs> so a function could be anything as small as add A and add add X and Y could be as complex as, uh, I don't know, um, zip. A big onboarding type flow. A big onboarding type flow, yeah. Or um, mm-hmm. something I've been trying to do recently is I've been trying to do a better compression tool than a zip and I'm I'm not winning. I'm, I'm losing very, very badly. <laughs> You're trying to write your own compression tool? Yeah. How's it gone? Not well. Have you managed to shrink something down, or is it, it keep getting bigger than it, it shrinks down? It's not as small as a zip. Okay. But a compression might be a, a a compression function, maybe a function as a service. I think that's an excellent example. the The examples of functions of a service that I found were basically batch jobs, so anything that you would do as like on a schedule. So I think of things like onboarding or. Uh, like a, a nightly cleanup activity or some kind of uh, housekeeping type task, yeah. and the idea of something like like an ad hoc, one way compression, like you're only gonna com- you're gonna compress something once and then that's it, that's it done. You don't need to faff about it again. I think that's a good example of a function. You might, uh, or you might compress a uh, backup at the end of the day or whatever. 
why why would you run a batch job on a function as a service platform? Why would you not just have it on a local machine? From that point of view, I think I would go back to what I was discussing at the start about how functions as a service, I feel they're almost like the next stage of what an what an asynchronous service might be. So you wouldn't have your backup tool running 24-7 on your laptop waiting for waiting for its its time, waiting for five minutes past midnight when it's going to run because then you're just wasting all that resource throughout the week or whatever. You could, if you put that in a function, you can go and run that on a function as a service provider and then you only have to pay for the, I don't know, maybe 10, 20 seconds of compute a week that you need and that makes it a lot cheaper and a lot simpler. Yeah, so I don't know. For some reason, I've always thought of functions as services being something provided by one of the big sort of cloud providers. Um, but actually, you could do functions as a service on a local system, couldn't you? On a local cloud, on a private cloud. Yeah, I'm sure I recall talking to you about some self-hosted function as a service technology. And it's really annoying me that I can't think of what it is now. It's good because it basically just means that you haven't got just idly sitting machines so you might have i don't know a hundred or a thousand functions ready to go on on a single server and like you say everything just runs when it when it needs to which means you're only ever using the amount of that you're basically pooling all your resources and saying well whatever's available run this run this little bit of function whereas if we think of like our if we think of our traditional deployments where you've got say i don't know a node.js app running on a single vm which has been given a couple of cpu and it's only mm-hmm. and it's only run once you know once a day or you know once a week what's the point mm-hmm. what's the point you've just got this stupid thing just sat there this, this stupid machine sat there so it's about pooling resources isn't it it's two things it's about sort of cleanliness about not having tons of stuff running when you don't need it and then it's about cost it's about again not having tons of stuff running from an overhead point of view then you're not you're not paying for a lot of things you don't need to be running all the time individual teams don't necessarily need infrastructure skills either if you're using a function as a service in the same way i don't know if you're using infrastructure as a service you don't really need to know about what's underneath it what's underneath it and it's it's like the abstraction of all abstractions isn't it because infrastructure as a service where you say i just want some infrastructure and i'll, I'll deploy some stuff over top but you still need to know about the applications that you're deploying on top software as a service you don't need to worry about deploying the applications you just have to worry about the internals of the applications. so building things inside a, an api manager for example building some apis or whatever function is like another step beyond <laughs> it's like just saying here's a yaml go and do stuff with it here's here's my java app just just go and run it somewhere you really yeah don't know or care how it's being done as long as it's it's there and it's available yeah you set a you set a trigger when's this function gonna run and then you paste in your script and that's it you don't care what box it's gonna run on or how many or or anything about the infrastructure underneath it you just want to know that whenever that trigger condition is met that that function will be run and as as the trigger condition gets met sequentially more and more instances will be spun up and then as they finish their processing, they can be torn down. And that's sort of paradise for um, non-technical businesses. We've said before in, in the podcast how how lots of non-technical 
businesses have had to become technical, have had to become IT businesses. So banks have had to become IT businesses because mm-hmm. IT is what everyone runs on. Now, if you really do only care about your business context and that really doesn't require IT, you obviously might need to do some development. So you get some developers mm-hmm. in maybe contracted. But if that doesn't change very often, you really don't want to be paying to keep skills internal to to your business if just every so often you want to make a slight change to a website yeah exactly yeah and you just want a couple of functions that exist somewhere accumulating a small amount of cost rather than i'm gonna buy this this vm i'm gonna have to understand how the vm works i'm gonna have to understand how containers work so i can run some containers underneath yeah if you're a small medium enterprise i don't know you've maybe got i don't know somewhere between 10 20 50 employees you don't want to be hiring like a whole it department if, if we were discussing how many people do you need to manage a entire top to bottom stack on i don't know using the latest platform using something like i don't know openshift or if we were going to be running another Node.js, so we need to manage the application, the platform, and then, I don't know, a bunch of VMs. You'd think, how many guys, how many different skill sets would we need to do that? And then the integration between them. And it's amazing how fast the dependencies and requirements can start to sort of balloon and and expand when, when really all you want to do is just run a couple of functions. So that's the sales pitch of function as a service. Ready to put my credit card into Amazon. <laughs> well, hang about. Most companies generally have to customise everything that they use. So that it doesn't matter which provider you use, which code language you use, which company you use. Pretty much you're going to have to customise something or pay someone to customise it for you. Now, that's fine. But if you think that one of the key benefits of, say, function as a service is that a function can be provided for a whole company and you just say oh here's some common code just use this function mm-hmm. yeah if you want to add things together just use this common code and it'll just it'll handle all the processing for you the likelihood it is because everything's custom you might end up with 10 11 12 of very very similar functions existing on the system with different people using different ones so have you actually made that process any easier by putting them as functions as a code you still need that governance practice around it, don't you? Yeah, but I think where you were going there is if you're thinking of, sort of like a heavily, so a heavily utilised common piece of code, that sounds like a very good candidate for something to be made into a function, made into a reusable block, and then exposed. If it's going to be changing constantly, you think there's going to be lots of different versions. That sounds like yeah something to be doing some governance about maybe someone needs to someone needs to be in charge of that and and, and run that so that the whole organization gets a good quality of service let's go down a rabbit hole do you remember um oh what was it is it something like the concept of the home teams and the away teams where like basically you've got to you've got to automate everything and if there's a if there's like a service or a function that you really like using but it's already been done by another team you can send like an away team from your team to their team to go and sort it out and tart it up and then come back to your like home team so like redistribution of specialism essentially yeah exactly like if you think about all the horrendous projects we've been on where we're like oh 
you're part of uh, you're part of the uh, application team, but we've got to wait for the infrastructure team to finish building this provisioning service, and that might take two weeks. So you guys are all twiddling your thumbs. Well, instead, why don't you just send send three guys from the application team to the infrastructure team to go and sort it out? And show them how it's done. Show them how it's done. <laughs> just make more tech debt and sharded <laughs> knowledge across the estate, across the organisation. But that that makes sense. That that aligns with sort of agile model and agile team. Um, building or how teams are currently distributed you have smaller teams of cross-purpose um, specialisms and then you'll you'll second members off to other teams or whatever so that makes sense to me but if we're talking about function as a service being provided to allow a reduction in the amount of technical people that are needed you're still going to need some form of governance to make sure that actually, you know, you're still going to need that design team to say, oh, I still need, I need this function, I need that. Now, are you going to, on, and it's the same with the developers, actually, are you going to onboard new people every time to yeah. look at the new functions, to uh, govern it, or are you, do you still need that core team who are just going to create all of these sort of functions, etc. anyway? Does it solve the problem of needing skills internally to the business that's my question that, that's there's, there's two two questions there does it solve the thing about business needing skills i think that using functions as a service or using anything as a service means that you require fewer lower level skills and you don't need someone who's an expert in vms or bare metal infrastructure you just need someone who's an expert in the application bits okay yeah I agree with that. That's answer to question one. And then question two, does it allow a non-technical person to do, what was it, a technical task or something? I think, I don't think you're ever going to perfectly allow non-technical people to do technical tasks, even with as many of the low-code, no-code interfaces that you can plug together. I think as long as any customization is required... Uh, that customization needs to be done by someone who has some understanding of the technical aspects of the platform. Otherwise, it will always be. Otherwise, it's always inevitable that it will slowly become a total mess. My follow-up question is: Is anything truly not custom when it comes to technical implementations? Is is anything not truly not custom? I think there are lots of uh, occasions when the off-the-shelf option works pretty well and it is a very low barrier to entry to making use of the off-the-shelf option. Actually, yeah, I was, I was, I've, I've said this, but actually, um, if you think common utilities like Zip, Zip, we talked about earlier, Zip is, is pretty common, isn't it? Um, creating a file in on your operating system is pretty standard, isn't it? That's the same for, for everyone, no matter what. Yeah, I I think there are. I've, I've, you've answered my question, and I'm agreeing with you. <laughs> I was gonna I was gonna go on to say that you can probably get away with the off the shelf bits and pieces for maybe some parts of your business or organization. For example, say is I don't know, say you're a uh, hotel. You can probably purchase an off the shelf catering solution where they'll send you some meals every day, or you can probably purchase an off-the-shelf cleaning solution where they'll they'll turn up every day with a, with a couple of cleaners and housekeepers and they'll do the hotel. But quite often, your I feel like your main 
business differentiator, you probably can't buy that off the shelf. You cannot buy an off the shelf hotel. I mean, unless you maybe unless you're franchise. Because otherwise, you're not being sort of competitive. You're not why why yeah. pick you? I suppose what's your key exactly what's your key metric that makes you you the, the best business for whatever. Yeah, I think it was. Who was I talking to at work? It was discussing why people buy SAP. And isn't it because I think I think SAP will literally offer you like an insurance company in a box. It'll be expensive, but I think SAP you you can literally buy SAP. Give me all the programs and software to basically run a insurance company or a bank or a financial service and and like SAP will turn up and say, "Okay, here you go." Here you go, run install.sh, right? There you go. That is a generic insurance company application. There you go. And then that's, an, that's a generic banking application. And then you just add on top of that. Yeah, and, and then you slowly customize it and create your own hell because SAP knows how to run it better than you and you just you just mess it up and you build yourself a hell of a financial service. I suppose if there are downsides to... to functions as a code you have to be able to isolate and split up um individual functions there's yes obviously and functions are meant to be very lightweight sort of quick to spin up and quick to tear down so if your function is reams and reams and reams and reams of code and libraries and it takes like half a minute just to even spin up you're probably not gonna have a really great experience unless of course you factor that in or you know you're running in a truly sort of asynchronous flow where there isn't really any kind of human interaction and there's no like end human user waiting for you to calculate something yeah and it's still only half the story so even if you've got a hundred functions and they all work very well and you don't change them often you still need something that glues all those functions together and says okay i'm going to call this function now and this function so it's it's a piece of the puzzle that has become easier, but you still need those services that sort of integrate and orchestrate your business function, don't you? Yes, although, and now I'm thinking of another total tangent, I'm thinking, what, could you run a business which is purely asynchronous? I don't know. Maybe that's a I think that's an, topic that's for another, another day. Tangent. Yeah, that feels like a discussion to have in a pub. <laughs> oh, what thrilling pub sessions we have. From a high level, function as a service is the abstraction of all abstractions. It mm-hmm. provides the, pretty much the smallest level of code as a service, which you would typically put onto a public cloud, but can be on a private cloud. Mm-hmm. Uh, the reason to do that is because is to reduce the amount of infrastructure and application skills you need to have in a business, which allows business to mm-hmm. focus on business goals. And it allows greater performance on the infrastructure because it's abstracted onto a set of dedicated servers and they will run hundreds if not thousands of functions as and when they're called rather than have them consistently available to to the end user. Yeah, it's probably more more efficient with its resources. Yeah, and normally they'll scale for you. Yeah, you don't need to think about any of the infrastructure. The cloud provider does all the difficult bits about scaling, routing, hosting. That's all taken care of. So uh, that's it. We're now going to go off and tell all our customers just to use uh, yeah. functions as a service. Re-architect. Everything is function. <laughs> yeah, but the important thing, I think, is that it's only a piece of the story because you still need to integrate and orchestrate and make sure that 
the functions are being used in the correct way and they've got to the functions have to perform actions on things and those things need to exist somewhere but it, it's it's a it's a key piece in a in a in a modernizing IT infrastructure uh, which allows businesses to worry about business good anything to add to that summary no i think that was pretty good i think that I don't. I, w- I wouldn't say that functions are obligatory in every business. However, I think that they are definitely a sort of a classic. Um, what do I want to say? I would say that when the kind of era of big cloud service providers came in, they were, and they were kind of like a new paradigm of. Uh, of kind of like IT service like b- before you had your AWS and your Azure you could run a hypervisor on-prem you could run VMs on-prem but I feel that kind of functions as a service that was something that was really new and I think that yeah I think I think they're kind of quite a very I think they're a very modern pattern yeah agreed even though I think when we were researching this I saw like AWS started offering it in like 2006 <laughs> That's modern. <laughs> was, was, That's modern. Was AWS Lambda two thousand six? That's modern, and it wouldn't have been good at the time, would it? Oh no, it wouldn't be good. It'd be, it'd be like looking at the original Amazon website, which just looks like top potatoes, <laughs> looks like potato compute. Right, and that there you go. Well, that's it for today. Thank you for listening. Thank you for tolerating. <laughs> Lovely. That's all for this week. Thank you for listening. Bye bye. Goodbye. <laughs>